Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. I'm not known for hair cutting, but if you've seen me cut hair, you know I always use my carving comb from Donald Scott NYC. I've been using a carving comb for 12 years now, and it is just such a game changer for dry cutting, for texturizing, even cutting wet hair. The carving comb comes through. It is so good. Love the carving comb. I have all of them. I also have their Chopstick Pro, their uh, Prepare Spray to really soften the hair for razor cutting. It's just a game changer. If you want to shop Donald Scott NYC, you can get 20% off all of their tools by using my code HAIR doctor. Go ahead and visit www.donaldscottnyc.com to shop. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Jenny Streeby, Confessions of a Hairstylist. She is an incredible beauty entrepreneur, the CEO and founder of Air Professional. She is amazing. She's doing it. She's super entrepreneurial and definitely someone I've always looked up to in the business. So I'm so excited to have her here on the show. Hey, Jenny. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. Me too. I actually had like a little feature of you on the podcast when I came on your, um, on your live. And that was just so great to just connect with you. And if you guys haven't heard that episode, Pricing for Stylist 101, that episode where we talked about pricing, we talked about how Jenny and I actually met where I like pretended that I knew her at a hair show. I was all drunk and I was just like, Jenny, um, oh yeah, like I'm the hair doctor. Or I was like talking with her and just sat down at the table with her and we had this amazing conversation. She was so nice to me and kind. And this is like when I was kind of just starting out and, um, you know, at hair shows, like no one knew who I was at all. And, um, you were so nice to me. And I remember just looking up to you so much from that, from even before that and being able to do this interview with you is just so cool for me. So thank you so much again for doing it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience for those who might not know of you? Um, do you want me to tell you a little bit about my background or just kind of dive in, you know, just dive in, you know, we, I love to hear everybody's story, like what, what, who you are, what you do, why you do it, what you're working on, anything that you want to share as far back as you want to go. I'm sure they love to hear it. Yeah, no, totally. Okay. Well, what I'm doing currently, um, I'm the CEO and founder of Air Professional, the first crystal infused hair care line. Um, I'm known on social media as confessions of a hairstylist, but, um, you know, really what I'm working on is just building air in our community. But before it was air, before it was confessions, it was Jenny and Jenny, like a lot of other hairstylists was, you know, very, uh, I always knew I was going to do hair. Um, I graduated when I was 17. Um, I don't even know how I graduated because I was partying so much. I barely, barely got through. And I always knew I was going to do hair because I wanted people to feel good about themselves. So, um, small town girl from Walla Walla, Washington, if anyone's ever heard of Walla Walla, Washington. And, you know, at the time, and you got to rewind 20 years ago, like totally aged myself, but 20 years ago in the town of Walla Walla, there wasn't a cosmetology school. There was one through the community college, but it wasn't really like sought after. And I remember when I started telling my parents that I wanted to go to hair school around 15, 16 years old, it was kind of like frowned upon because again, like back then and being in a small town, my family didn't think I could make a career that was like respected or I could potentially make money from it. So, um, I always had that in the back of my head to kind of like, Oh, I'm going to show them, like, I'm going to take it as far as I can go. Like, I'm not going to just work at the little tiny salon down the street that, you know, charges, you know, $8 a haircut and there's no purpose behind it. Um, that sounded bad because I know people don't charge a whole lot for haircuts some places, but you know what I mean? Like I wanted, that wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. 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 I just, I wanted, and to, to, to prove to my family, like, no, I can do, I can be a hairstylist and like, take it really far. So 
that was always in the back of my head. So I was like, you know what? Graduated. I saved up. Um, I was working at like a gym as the front desk person. And I saved up, gosh, like $1,200, something like crazy. My family uh, does not have money. I did not come from any amount of money whatsoever. So I had to put myself through school. So $1,200 to me was, was a lot. And I, um, me and my girlfriend went to Portland, Oregon over the course of like a weekend. I found a studio apartment and was able to put $500 down for like my deposit. And I moved in that weekend and I, um, enrolled myself into cosmetology school and did all the things I worked, you know, at a, uh, what is it? Fred Myers. I think it's fries here in Arizona, but a Fred Myers in their garden department. I ruined a lot of people's paint. I ruined a lot of people's keys, but I was doing it. So put myself through school. And a lot of people will ask like how I, how the heck I got to Arizona. And I always like to say it was the start of kind of me I feel like it was really the start of the air, like really starting to believe in myself and manifesting a better life for myself. And I always had it stuck in my head that I would work at, um, the popular salon chain at the time, Tony and guy. And I won a competition in hair school for haircutting. And this recruiter came up to me and he was like, that was amazing. Like you are guaranteed a job here at Tony and guy, like, please come see me when you graduate. And guess what? I didn't get hired. I remember like having a, um, not enough money for like a nice interview outfit. And I got a $300, like, I don't even know what it was like a Macy's card or something. And I bought like really nice shoes and like got all prepared for the interview and thought I was going to nail it because this recruiter had like basically promised me a job and I didn't get hired. And I called, I did all the things right that they tell you to do in cosmetology school, you know, dress professionally, have your resume, follow up with them every week. And I did it. And literally three or four weeks went by and I called them and they like basically had to straight up tell me that they were not interested. And I think I was driving them crazy because I kept on calling just like they had told me and conditioned me to do so in cosmetology school. And so with that being said, you know, I was kind of like, frick, what the hell am I going to do now? Like I had no purpose. I was like, all right. So I was in this really dark kind of depressed state. And I don't think it really helped with, um, being in Portland at the time because, you know, it was raining a lot. Like I was single, like I just got told no. And I was like, F this man, I'm not taking no for an answer. Like I'm going to show Victor at Tony and guy. And so I found out that there was five Tony and guys in Arizona. And so again, I saved up my money at that point. I was working at a pizza shop, um, making some tips and, uh, I moved to Arizona and basically because I knew that my chances of getting hired at a Tony and guy was probably greater because there was five salons down here. And guess what? I got the job and guess what? I then worked on up the, the ladder and constantly was asking and telling people what I wanted. Well, I want to be on the management team. I want to be the artistic director. I want to be on art team, all the things. And I just worked really freaking hard to get to that point. And I took it as far as that I could go, um, as far as like Arizona goes. And then I ended up moving actually overseas with them in Tony and guy in Ireland for a while. And I came home and, um, stopped working for them, but yeah, man. But like, I just think that was the beginning of like not taking no for an answer. And if you are being told no to just pivot, like, doesn't mean that I can't work for Tony and guy. I'm just going to figure out a different way to do so. So that's kind of like the start of it all. Wow. I, okay. So, so many things like I can connect with from your journey too. And I was just talking to Monet Everett on the podcast and she had said, you know, everything in my life was falling apart and it was just God saying, this is not the path you're supposed to be on. You're too comfortable. 
it's time to get off this path. And like when we get rejected, sometimes it is protection and being redirected into what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, temporary defeat does not equal overall failure. You know, not everything has to go perfectly, but I can totally relate to that not getting hired. I actually had, um, you know, this my cosmetology school, I went to Paul Mitchell, the school in North Haven, and they do this thing called the exit interview. And in school, I was very like overachiever. Like I was just an overachiever. People didn't really care for me that much. I was like first one to arrive, last to leave. I did everything that the school wanted me to do. So I was like, definitely the teacher's pet. Um, I talk about like the day Robert Crow means came and changed my life. I got to assist him and him and Mary, like, let me help them. And, you know, I just got every opportunity. I won Beacon. I won Caper. I won every contest they gave me. I had highest retail, highest service. I was just like the teacher's pet. And I remember during our exit interview, they had three of us line up and do an interview with the owners of the school. And it was three at a time where, so they could hear, you know, what the people could hear you know, and they had asked me all of these interview questions and I was like answering them all completely. Honestly, I was being myself. And, you know, I said, you know, I want to be like Robert Cromines and I want to own five salons, you know, and I was just being honest of what they had inspired me to do. And they had said, yeah, we wouldn't hire you. Oh my God. And they were just like, yeah, you're too cutthroat for a salon. And thinking of that now and like my reputation, even in Connecticut as a salon owner, like I am a cutthroat. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I like literally am a businesswoman. And so if something's not going right, I will change it. If somebody is not pulling their weight, I will coach them. You know what I mean? Like I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> this is, you know, you can call me a bitch. You can call me whatever the fuck you want, but you know, I'm a very kind and uh, generous person too you know, mm -hmm. but I run my business, but they told me that. And I literally was like, there's something wrong with me. I was of like, course. so upset. And, you know, I had interviewed at many other salons and I had said the same thing and I did not get hired. And I started thinking I should lie during interviews and lying is not me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm not a liar. And, um, you know, I had interviewed at a salon called Jessica's Color Room in Middletown, and I said the same spiel. And um, this is after I quit my job to go see Lady Gaga in concert. This is like another story. But um, I had quit my job. I'd, I'd gotten, you know, I the place wasn't for me. So I interviewed at this other salon, and I had said, you know, my goal is to move to California and open five salons and or work for Robert Cromines. Like he's my idol. Like he just is my idol. And um, I was very open about that. Cause I wanted to work in a place where I'm accepted for who I am. And this is a Paul Mitchell focus salon that I was going to work for. And she said to me, and it was the best thing ever. And I still really like Jessica to this day. Um, even though my ending there wasn't that great, you know, not every time you leave a salon doesn't have to be rainbows and butterflies, but we're, we're cool yeah. now. But, you know, she had said to me, I would love to say one of my stylists went and worked for Robert Cromines. And I was just like, damn, yes. And I got the job, but it took me so many times in that job. I met my mentor, Tiffany, who taught me to be the stylist that I am today. So all of that rejection, I continued to be myself. I didn't have to lie to get the job, but sometimes you just have to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it until you find the right spot. It's not to say you can't, don't improve, you know what I mean? Because sometimes our interview skills need to improve. Like I definitely improved my interviewing skills every time I interviewed, mm -hmm. you know? So it was just like that. Um, so I love your story um, as far as like having that rejection, but then doing everything you could and having that almost like, Th that um, prove them wrong mindset, even starting with your parents and your family who didn't really think the beauty industry was a worthy career, which that freaking sucks. And, you know, one of my biggest missions is elevate the beauty industry. I say it all the time, but my goal before I leave the industry, I don't want parents to be like, oh, that's not a good idea. I want parents to bring up cosmetology school to their kids. Like I really, that's what I think elevating the beauty industry is now. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have that push, would you be where you are? You know what I mean? Hell if you no. didn't, 
if no. you didn't have that push of like, I'm going to prove them wrong or like that, like motive, because it's all happening for us. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just, but all- I think I look at it too. It's not like proving them wrong. It's proving something to myself that I can do it. And those little bits of confidence that I, that kept on building, you know, okay. You're going to say no. Well, I'm going to pivot and figure it out a different way. It's, it has given me confidence over and over, like these little stepping stones turning into larger ones and larger ones and larger leaps to ultimately get me where I am today. And, um, I'm just so fortunate for it. I'm so fortunate for it because I have a lot of balls now. Like I feel like confident when I go into things because I've taken risks my whole entire life. And so I'm grateful for those no's and me coming to Arizona, met my husband. I want to have done a lot of things, you know, there was more opportunity for me to work in Tony and guy in Arizona than there ever would have been in Portland, Oregon. I would have never have gone overseas with them. I would have never been a part of the art team. I would have never a lot of these things. So yeah, man, I, I agree. I'm thankful. Yeah. That's amazing. Like it's, it just really goes to show that not every journey is perfect and behind what is successful, what looks successful is a lot of freaking hard work. And there's a lot of emotion behind it because it does hurt to get rejected and told no. But then again, what you do with that energy, you can either take it and like, let it bury you, or you can take it and let it drive you. So it's just really cool. Um, and I never really got to hear your story too much. So I'm so excited that, um, you know, I'm getting to know you even more. Tell me about Ireland. Ireland. It was, uh, so random. Well, okay. Now people are just going to think I'm crazy, crazier of a risk taker. I should, I should say, but, um, I actually, so, okay. Back up, back up to Tony and guy. Like when I was in the Scottsdale location, no one really believed me that I wanted to go overseas and no one would really help me. So I was like emailing everybody and that's before social media. Okay. So that was before you could just like easily call someone as well. Like, again, this was like 14, 15 years ago. So, um, I was like, no, I'm going to work over. I wanted to work in London originally and no one took me serious. And I was doing all the things right. Emailing, sending my resume. So I was like, screw it. This is like a bucket list thing. And I'm going to do it anyway. And of course, at that time, like right when I was about to go, that's when I met my husband. He was my boyfriend then, but we started dating and I was like, sorry, this is what I want to do. So I saved up my money, got rid of everything. And when I say everything, like everything that I worked really hard to get, like, it sounds so silly, but like the Jeep that I had to have the couch that I had to have, I got rid of all of it. And I had two trunks that I left here in Arizona and I took a backpack over there and me and a girlfriend who I still am in in contact with today, we went over there literally going from country to country, knocking on Tony and Guy's door and just being like, hey, we're from the States, like we want to work with you. So we started off in Ireland and then um, went all the way to the Czech Republic. um, And I got hired in Czech Republic, Holland and Ireland. And when I first got to Ireland and they hired me, the owner of the salon, Ronan, said, Jenny, I need you in the holidays. You go explore if you want to. When you run out of money, you come back and you have a job. If you get hired somewhere else that you like better, sure, go for it. And I was like, okay. So I was like, had $4,000 or something, not very much when I think about it today. And I just went, you know, traveled all over the place. I spent um, six months traveling. I cut hair in hostels. I put like a sign on my, my door and it's like, 25 euro haircut, you know, like ask Jenny bed a or whatever. Cause I don't know if you stayed in a hostel, but like you can, you can room with like people, the more people in your room, the cheaper the cost is. So I would stay in, um, only the female rooms, but there's like six or eight beds, you know, like there's a lot. So I'd be like bed a or whatever. And I just was doing the whole traveling Europe thing. And Then when I ran out of money, I went to Ireland and I lived in Galway and I was only there for three months. Um, It was really tricky with the work visa situation, but I got to thinking like, this is great. I I'm here, I'm doing it, but then I'm seeing all these cool things, but I missed my boyfriend, you know? So like, I, what am I doing? I'm lonely. Like I've done what I wanted to do. 
it's time to come home. And so he came over for a month and then we decided to come home together. So I came home, quit Tony and Guy. And that's when I started booth renting. And ultimately what kind of took me to confessions of a hairstylist, to be honest with you. That's so cool. (laughs) I'm crazy. I just go for it. And I don't know why I'm like this. I just, if I want to do something, I'll just do it. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that could happen? No, totally. And, but Hey, like, I mean, I grew up with nothing and I'm not very open about it because I love my dad so much. And he's such a great person. I don't want him to be embarrassed or ashamed for the things I did not have. But like in high school, I didn't even have a room. I slept in the the living room on like a little cot, you know? So I, what's there to lose? I didn't have anything. So like, you know, and I was happy then I had, even though I was a party girl in high school, I loved high school, you know? So again, like if you, what's there to lose really at the end of the day? Yeah. I like, I never knew any of this about you. It's just so cool to get to know you like this. I'm just so grateful for your sharing. Um, that's really amazing. And I would love to talk about, you're obviously huge on social media. Like you're super popular. You do great work. You were known more for styling, um, from how I know you and you have books that you have. I have your books in the salon, you know, that we have out there. Um, tell me about when you started renting and when you started utilizing social media, like what did your growth look like? Like, how did you get to where you are? And if people were like, I want to be Jenny Streeby, what would you say that is like the reason you were able to use those tools to get where you are? Like what, what's like the one advice you would give and how did you get there? I'm like, I don't know if there's just one, but I'll just back up and say, it was a nine year thing. That's what I say okay. to people too. Like when social media came out, it took me almost a decade to what you see took a decade. Yeah, it took a decade. And just to kind of paint the picture, I was six months pregnant with my son when I launched my YouTube and he's going to be eight in June. So there you go. But you know, when I went to booth renting and I really enjoyed it, I got married. I had my daughter, Magnolia. I was working part-time in the salon and I really am thankful that I was able to do that. And I was working like 20, 25 hours, but I missed educating to be honest with you. I was a haircut specialist. I didn't really style like Tony and guys not known for like their updos and braids. Um, but I, I missed educating and Magnolia, bless her heart. Well, she does not do it today, but she would nap for like three hours a day. I was bored. I'm like, this is not fulfilling my life to like do dirty laundry. So I launched a blog known as Confessions of a Hairstylist. And every day I showed up, every dang day I showed up. I don't even know what I was writing about. Like I was just, you know, tools or techniques or something that I was inspired by at New York Fashion Week and people kept on coming back and my numbers kept on growing. Then I was super aware of YouTube's a thing, Pinterest a thing, Facebook is a thing. And then a couple years of doing that, then Instagram was a thing. And I just plowed away and I showed up every, every day. And how it kind of turned from haircutting to styling is because I wasn't good at styling, to be honest with you. But I had to learn how because now my blog following was asking me to create YouTube videos. And I was like, oh shit, like I don't, I have to learn. I have to teach myself, you know? So I did all the things. I took Sharon Blaine's updo class in Australia. I went to, um, where was it? Melbourne, I think. But I, I just showed up every day and I just, miseducating. So really my social media was for the purpose. And I always tell people, you know, you have to think of what your, your purpose is, like what your, um, what am I trying to think of the word, but you've got to figure out like what your, like why you want to utilize it. Like you can't just go on there and just kind of shoot in the dark, like all over the place. I mean, you can until you figure out what you really want to utilize it for, but I wanted to use the platform to educate. And you can see that throughout my channels is educating to anybody that will listen, you know? So, um, but it took a long time and it took a lot of, gosh, like 
push and pull even with my family. Like my husband didn't really understand what the heck I was doing until like five years ago, to be honest with you. And I remember contacting like the Redkins in the world, like, Hey, I'm Jenny Streeby. I have this YouTube following of 150,000 followers. Like, do you want to sponsor a video for $200? Like I kind of was already trying to paint the picture before it was a thing. And of course, then, you know, two years later, I was able to get those sponsorships, but I'm like super hyper aware what's going on always. Like I feel anyway. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of intuition too, but, um, just because we're, I don't know, this is just kind of a loose conversation. I will say Gina. So that was nine years. I think four or five years ago, I lost myself because of social media too. It was really a tricky time. I didn't know who the fuck I was. I'm like, I've never been the cool girl. I was suddenly the cool girl. I was going to those hair shows, like where I met you, like wearing these risque outfits. Like, I don't know. Like I lost myself. I, I've never had that happen where I was the cool girl. Well, it's interesting because it's like, we're curating this content and we're building who we are. We Mm -hmm. create what people see Mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's easy to create what you want people to see. It's hard to be yourself and have that vulnerability of, are you going to like me or not? Mm-hmm. And I can relate to you in a sense of when social media, I started my career a decade ago. I graduated hair school in 2009. Facebook was a thing. It was Gina is feeling blank, but it was still a thing. And as soon as they allowed us to put pictures, I was taking pictures of every single thing that I was doing over that decade. Similar to you, we, we, go all in because you see you're hyper aware of the opportunity too. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I remember five years ago, pitching myself to brands who had never paid for an influencer, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, we don't even know what we're doing, but we know there's value or we know the opportunity. And it's like, let's get into, it's almost like clubhouse today. It's like, I don't know where this Mm -hmm. is going to go, but it's an opportunity because I have the feeling of the connection. I have the feeling of it's going to work. And I can totally relate to getting lost in that because, you know, people will look and be like, you have everything, but it's just like, you have no idea. I don't even know who I am or what I'm doing or why I'm even doing this or what outcome I'm even seeking because I'll get the numbers, I'll get the likes, I'll get the money, but I'm still not happy. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. And like, I wasn't used to like going to a show and like not being able to go to the bathroom, you know, like it's, it was something that was very difficult for me to, cause I didn't, I never started social media to be like famous or like, you know, or whatever it was again to educate. And so it was a whole new realm. And then, you know, people wanting to be my friend and do they not want to be my friends? Like it was a lot of, of. I had to really sit back and do a lot of soul searching because I just, I lost myself. I didn't like who I was becoming. Um, it was, it was weird. And that's really why I kind of wanted to create air because, and I love the partnerships and brands that I worked with, but there was something missing. I was a paycheck. I was a like and a follower and there was no connection at all. Like I just felt so kind of used and tossed to the side. I don't Jenny, know if you can relate to that. I totally can relate to that. And I'm not working with really any brands right now that because that like what you have this like mindset of what you think it's going to be. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's like they're multi-million dollar corporations. You are a piece on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I love all of the brands I've worked with. I love all of the products I've ever promoted on my page. I would never promote something I didn't like. I've always kept that authenticity, but those relationships are not what people think. Sometimes you may be really lucky and get to work with brands that treat you awesome and everything is great. And it's exactly what you want, but it's not all it's cracked up to be sometimes, you know, it's it's really exhausting, demanding, and Mm -hmm. transactional. Mm -hmm. No, uh, transactional. You nailed it. I felt like I was a transaction 
all the time. I'm like, do they really fucking care about me? Like, and mind you, when I, I loved working for Tony and Guy. I know they're not as big as they once were, but like we had community, we had friendships, we had like teams. And as an influencer, you're kind of your own team, right? You're kind of your own person. It reminds me, sorry, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, I, I'm, yeah. It reminds me of like, you know, starting out in beauty school, I went to a palmetto school and the culture was what I loved the most being a part of something. And when you Mm -hmm. look at brands, you think that that's what brands are. And Mm -hmm. I had worked with Paul Mitchell forever. I was a Paul Mitchell focused salon, but they didn't give me what I needed, which was that significance and that feeling of you matter. I've been using their brand for fucking ever. My salon, we were a top tile salon. They called it tiles. They, we were the top in Connecticut for a really long time. We ordered so much fucking product and our retail was 25% to total sales. Like I sell retail and you know, I had wanted to be a national educator with them. I did their whole program. I obviously got in because I'm amazing. I literally give everything I possibly can to everything that I do. There's no question I'm not going to get in. But I didn't like the idea of just traveling from salon to salon and salon and teaching a script because the object is to sell product in the salon. The technique is learned from somebody else. And then you go and teach it. And it just wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be me. And I had wanted them to feature my artists on social media, on the Paul Mitchell page, but there was nobody really doing their social media six years ago. They had their main page. That was it. And you're not getting on it. They didn't have hair behind the chair on it. They had professional editorial. And I didn't see it at that time. I saw it as you don't appreciate me. So then I moved on and I started working with OligoPro and they sponsored my classes they were just like, we see you. And they worked with me when it came time to actually pay me. They dropped the ball, you know, they didn't value me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know what? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel valued. I'm making your brand hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you're giving me breadcrumbs. And like, mm-hmm. I have value. And I think just as stylists who are arguing for an extra bowl of color so that they can do the work that they need to do, you know, in order for me to put out these videos and have a videographer that costs thousands of dollars and create great content, like I need to be paid, you know, I'm not just yeah. going to work for product forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want me to work and promote your brand, treat me like that. If you want me to be the MVP, mm-hmm. treat me like a fucking MVP and I'll score the points, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that point, it had opened me up with Joyco. And then I worked with them. I got what I had asked for. I got what I had wanted, but it wasn't the culture. It wasn't the connectedness. It was literally everyone's doing their own thing in their own division. Everything is kind of separate and nothing bad to say about any of these brands, but the truth about brands is sometimes if you're looking for something that's super specific, you might have to build your own, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I don't really talk openly about that. I've never really talked about it except for on this show just now, but like, I don't think I said anything bad. It's just being real, you know? It's really mm-hmm. hard to have these relationships when, if you have something specific in your mind and if you're entrepreneurial, Like why spend so much time promoting a brand if you're not going to be treated like X, Y, and Z? A hundred percent. Was that too much? I'm like, should we take that out? No, not at all. And I mean, we're babies. So we're just kind of learning and navigating as we go. But that's why we're showing up on Clubhouse and almost doing these like therapy sessions about gratitude and like manifestation and, you know, just showing up. And actually my SEO... SEO guy the other day was like, Jenny, but how do we find out like if anyone's buying product? Like you, you can't waste your time. And I go, I'm not wasting my time. You know how many DMS that I've gotten from people that are so grateful for that conversation and that changed their day and that changed their set a mindset or whatever. Like that's payment to me. That's what I need to feed my soul to be able to like create this company in a different way. That's more impactful. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's what's truly important to me. And it's what was lacking for me being an influencer and not everyone's like that. Some people just want a paycheck and go 
However, I'm not that person. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a cancer. I'm not really sure, but it's, it's not for me. Yeah. I love the paycheck. Don't get me wrong, but I want to make sure I feel really, I really want to make sure that I feel good about how I'm getting it. Yeah. And that I'm feeling fulfilled because at the end of the day, when we're spending all this time on our phone, we're away from our family. I might be with my family on my phone, but I'm not with my family. I'm not present. So anything that's taking away my presence, I want to make sure that I'm feeling really good about at this stage in my career. And there's, it's not to say that I enjoyed taking out the trash and working 80 hours a week and doing, you know, doing all this hard work to get where I am, you know, that exists. But at this stage in my career, you know, I like to be really careful about how I spend my time, efforts and energy and my influence. You know, I do have an influence. You have an influence. And as people who work with brands, or who have brands, you know, it's taking that super seriously. So I just think it's interesting to talk about, you know, people have all these big, huge goals, but a lot of the time, you know, I I talk to, I do a lot of coaching and talk to a lot of people about it. And it's like, what you're looking for, another brand can't give you. Like what you're looking for, for, only you can give yourself. And I feel like that's where I'm at in my career. It's not to say I don't want to have partnerships that where people really see value and appreciate me because those partnerships I'm always open for. But when it comes to making that impact and having that like, you know, and I wanted to say to you that your room the other day that you had on Clubhouse I had gotten off of it and I had just like these warm, fuzzy feelings, not about you, about air, Mm -hmm. because that's an air professional room. And of course it's, I usually will associate air with you, but after that clubhouse, I had really good feelings about air. I was like, that brand is really cool because they're doing this every single day at 9am or whatever you guys do. I don't want to drop your schedule here if it's not, but like, it's, it's, you know, something that um, you're consistently doing. You don't, and you're right. You don't know the ROI, like just the same as I do the clubhouse rooms for three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not get a million mastermind signups in one day right after or during the session, but over the week or over the month, or maybe the person who had just heard about it or who had just found me and can see who I am and who I stand and what I stand for and all of those things. You know, I think that social media is meant to be social like that. And for brands to really understand that, um, I felt really good about air after your room. And I was just like, I really am glad there's a brand that is run by a stylist number one, and somebody who gets it, who has been there and done that. And I think it's like the birthing time. I would love to have my own product line too. I have no idea where to start. Um, maybe I can, you could be my coach, but I literally was like thinking about it. I was just like, we need new brands like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, Gina, it's also part of my journey. Like this journey of, of who I was four or five years ago of not liking the brands or some people I was associating myself with, like I'm trying to like feed my soul. And these conversations on clubhouse, it's not worked to me. I need that because if I want to portray that message of air and, you know, manifestation and, and power of intention, all those things, like I have to preach it and feel it and live it too. So it's allowing me to feel it, preach it and, and live it too, because I'm getting a daily reminder every single day. Do I believe in a lot of these things? Yes. Do I practice most of them a hundred percent, but it's like holding me accountable, like for this, like change in myself, because what I was getting from, I'll go ahead and say it like Instagram and social and, you know, the potential drama here and there, like it wasn't feeding me. I don't want to be a part. I don't want to be associated with it. It was not feeding me at all. It was making me feel anxiety and depressed. So being on clubhouse, talking with people about how we can change our mindset is feeding me and it's helping me change and evolve as well. Therefore I can be a better leader with an air. It's, it's simple as that. Totally. You're just living it. You know, yeah, anybody can have a, um, a brand that, excuse me. Anyway, <laughs> anybody can have a brand that is crystal infused and about good vibes and, you know, has all of this gratitude around it. Anybody can throw that on a bottle, but like doing the clubhouse room and you're present for most, if not all of them, like that all really just shows that you're about it. And I just, and I really like it. 
I got crystal healing certified because I wanted to understand, well, I'm not certified yet. I still have to take my test, but I know I will, um, because I needed to understand how others were using it in their esthetician practices or chakras or whatnot, so that I can figure out ways that we can utilize it within air and to really understand the science behind it too, because, you know, I know a lot because my mother-in-law is a gemologist, but I, I, I want to know everything. I'm sure you're the same way. Just yeah. Full things. Of course. And it's a new passion. It's, it's something you're passionate about, but it's not something you're an expert in right now. And you want to be that expert. So you're going to keep going and going and going and learning everything about it. And I love that that you don't like, it's something that you believe in and you want to learn about and you want to grow and you believe in it enough to put yourself immersed into it. Thank you. I yeah. Love it's it. been exciting. It's been and I love, exciting. I love the products. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely told by my, um, I, well, I drove my manufacturers crazy because they had never seen so many revisions ever. And I sat in that for a while and was semi-offended, but then I was like, you know what? F it. Like it has to be a hundred percent perfect. So, you know, uh, I appreciate it. A lot of hard work, um, has gone into it. Hard work and heart has gone into it. Awesome. And if people want to buy it, they can just go to airprofessional.com. Yeah, we're in salon centric as well as state RDA stores and then airprofessional.com. That's amazing. Thank you. Oh my God. Good for you. Your inspiration, Jenny. The gnarliest thing I have ever done. I don't know if I would do it again, but we're here. So we're going forward. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it can't be easy. No, I mean, but again, like going back to like being told no, and you can't work here. It, it slowly has built my confidence. It's built my confidence to believe in myself ultimately to be, let's get real, you know, like it, it built my confidence so much. And like, I don't know if you know the story, but like I had sit down meetings with seven investors for air and they literally told me who's going to believe in crystals? Your concept is just too out there. Like, and this is at with my big following. So what I'm getting at is I truly feel like that was the way the universe was just telling me, like humbling me down. Jenny, you want all these things. First of all, like get out of your head. You're getting too cocky that the, all these investors are going to want you. Okay. So get out of your head, humble you down to really be at that low point and again, find myself and my drive that I've always had to come back and be like, F it, I can do it on my own because that's what I've done. I've done it on my own. I don't know if you know the story, but like it was December 18th. So right before Christmas, I bought all the Christmas presents, had everything like paid the bills, all the things. And I just said, F it. I told my husband, I go, I'm going to do something crazy. We got to talk about it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go into production, mass production with texture air, but it's going to leave us with $68 in our bank account. Are you okay with that? And he surprisingly said, yes, he always, you know, is my biggest cheerleader. He said, yes. And I did it. And it was crazy. I was, I'm, I haven't told the story and it sounds so silly, but like, I mean, I was budget shopping. I was like, going to the cheap grocery store. I was like boiling beans cause we're vegetarian. Like, so cutting costs where I could like for months, like just making it work. We had to eat the food that we had. Like there was no entertainment cost in, involved in like our, our budget for a while. Like, and I barely paid myself. Gosh, I think it was like six months ago. I finally started paying myself at air, but that's what it takes when you want something to happen, you know, like it was crazy and it was the gnarliest thing I've ever done, but it worked out. You're fucking savage. Yeah. But you know, just to make light of the situation, I do really enjoy boiling black beans. (laughs) They're actually way better than the canned stuff, but. Well, it's just really, um, inspiring because And that was two years ago. Okay. So just painting the picture of here's this person, 450,000 followers, like 
you know, on a shoestring budget, literally. I think people need to hear it Mm because people are like, must be nice. Yeah. And you're just like, um, I worked my ass off, dude. Yeah. And people who want to be that entrepreneur, it's not easy. You know, I, um, even doing my classes, my tours that I would do, I would do these huge tours and go all over the U S and I would be responsible for selling out, selling the tickets. And I know that that sounds like, oh, it can't be that bad. You have followers, but to have like a thousand tickets available and that stress, it's like having an open book. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at your schedule and when you're 80% booked, it feels really good. Right. But when there's no, no one booked, that's scary as hell. Like doing stuff like that, it took years off my life. I swear the stress and then not only of financial stress, but that stress of like adding, having a ticket and a price point attached to your value as an educator and as a person. And Mm -hmm. as you know, it's just really stressful to take on these challenges. And I really am glad you didn't get an investor, Jenny, because I feel like what you, and I know you are, but like what you had to go through to do that, like, again, going back to that Monet interview, she said, God, you're too comfortable this is not the path you need to go on. You need to do it yourself because you're going to learn. And I'm sure you can start another product line tomorrow if you wanted to with everything that you've learned, built, and the connections that you've made and what you've learned from this product you can do to another one or help people do it or whatever. But like you did it. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I mean, again, like I'm... It's just, I think it just all needed to happen that way because again, like I felt like kind of lost and, you know, like me having to kind of find this kind of fighter in me that I knew that existed, like again, because I was kind of in a weird spot, like three or four years ago, like I needed to go through it and, and I'm like, so freaking, I'm like so happy. Things are going so good. Like it's, I've never felt this way ever. And so I needed to go through that whatever journey to be able to be who I am right now, you know? It's amazing. And I feel like with having children and a family and, you know, those people in your life who are the most important people in your life and Mm -hmm. to be happy for Mm -hmm. not only for yourself, but for your family, you know, that's such a gift. For sure. And my first time, my whole life, I feel like I have a normal life, like, you know, normal schedule. Like I get to pick up my kids from school, like take them to soccer practice, football practice, get to go all the games. Like I've hustled my whole entire life for this to be happy and to be able to be present, but it took a lot of hard work, but it took a lot of hard inner work too. And like really pushing myself and figuring out if I didn't like something, like change something. If I was feeling depressed or anxiety, like deal with it, you know? And I don't know, I'm so thankful for social media and what it has done for me in my career. But I think with it took, I took on a lot of pressure and stress and all the things. And I just got lost into it. And I'm just so happy that it kind of redirected into this new space that I'm in. I mean, it's, it was definitely tricky. It was tricky for sure. Yeah. Well, you're an inspiration to every hairstylist. Thank you. You know, you really are beauty school to brand creator. Like really, really well, cool. Well, to be honest with you too, Gina, like I have a gigantic angel tattoo and um, the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because, you know, 22 years old, I just felt like lost. Like there's wasn't a lot of people like mentoring me or like showing me the way. And I o- have always clutched on to little things like crystals or my tattoo meaning of always having someone there with me because I, because there wasn't anybody in a physical form. So I have myself, I have my angel, I have my pocket crystals, I have anything, anything that I can grab onto to get me through things. Cause obviously things have been tough. Um, they've been really great too, but tough. And um, I don't even know what I was getting with that. Oh, well, go ahead. I, all I was going to say is like, I want to help be that person or to share the story 
so that hairstyles out there that might have been in the same spot or in the same spot right now that they truly can do anything that they want they just have to find it in themselves and do whatever work you have to do to get out of your own way maybe it's inner work maybe it's therapist maybe it's uh mend that relationship with your mom like i don't know like you need to do that to be able to get to the next phase well anything you put before recovery you'll lose Mm, yeah i like that everything you put before and i always preach 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 put yourself first put yourself first put yourself first and recover we all are recovering from something could be drugs alcohol codependence sexual abuse could be any of these like major complicated complex issues that we just numb and we're you know stumbling through our lives but there's like this unfinished business behind us and when all of that is off of our shoulders we're able to do anything and anything you put before yourself you're going to lose and I love that you and I think and if I can just add into this advice that you're giving and this beautiful wisdom that you're giving about your angel tattoo about um crystals that you hold on to i think it's worthy to mention that like we attach a meaning to everything whether it's positive or negative hopeful or despairing we attach a meaning to everything and i have this like weird thing i do with like repeating numbers like if i see a repeating number at a certain time i will attach a meaning to that all the time. I attach meaning. I have a money tree in there. I talk to my plants. I have like weird shit that I do. And it's just what I attach the meaning to, but I could also attach a negative meaning to every single thing that I see. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really up to you to do that work on yourself so that your filter, your reality, when information comes through, it's a clear filter. It's not all fucked up from your past and from your trauma. You know, everything Mm -hmm. that comes through that filter is completely up to your filter and your reality's interpretation. And when you are clear and healthy and in your recovery, we all have something to recover from. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as me recovering from drugs and alcohol or whatever, or all the shit that I have going on. Some of us had a great life, but we have a few things that we need to work on. It doesn't have to be so dramatic, but still that filter, it's Mm -hmm. our responsibility to take care of that. It's not anybody else's and anything you put before you, you're going to lose. That's so true. You know, I got advice the other day. um, Why interviewed uh, John Asaroff in my, on my Instagram, but you know, he was saying that you just go full force with anything that triggers you. You go full force, you look in the face and you reframe it. You find out a way to not allow it to trigger you in that way anymore. And maybe it's, you know, through work and you can just create like a positive memory from that trigger or whatever. Maybe it's a song that's connected to this ex-boyfriend, but you like do a happy dance with your daughter, you know, like you figure out a way to just kind of reframe it and um, just change those behavioral patterns of those triggers. Totally. And Tony Robbins always talks about like the quality of our questions determine the quality of our life. And the quality of our question could be, why does this always happen to me? Why can't I trust anybody? Why, why me, why me? Or you can reframe and say, what is this teaching me? Why is God showing me this again? What didn't I learn last time? Those questions will change your whole fucking life. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you brought that up because throughout the development of air or just really everything, I kind of look back and I'm like, it's, I think about like mistakes or big time gigantic money mistakes. And I'm like, no, that happened because that saved my ass because I didn't launch on time. Therefore I barely got started during a pandemic. So therefore I didn't even, um, get into that flow or even know how well we're going to do and didn't have a bunch of mouths to feed. You know, like there's always like, you have to look at it and reframe it in a positive way. Like, Oh, I got in a car accident. Good thing that I, I walked away, you know, 
good thing I walked away. Um, you know, like your car gets broken into, well, good thing it wasn't into my house. Good thing they didn't take my wallet. You know, like you always have to look at the positive and everything. And those are kind of silly examples, but no, it's it's true. true. Mm -hmm. I have a business loan that I got, um, for Gina Bianca hair when we did our expansion way too fucking soon. Cause my ego was like, we must expand instead of working seven days a week and splitting shifts. We had to expand. That was like the big thing. And it was more because I I too, Jenny, have that I'm going to prove everybody wrong. You know, I was bullied relentlessly. I literally want to show the world, fuck you. Like that's literally like who I am sometimes was sometimes. And I have this business loan. I spent a hundred K on the furniture and the build out. And I still, to this day, pay this business loan. It's got like 20 grand left on it. And my accountant is like, just don't pay it off. Just keep paying it. It's good for your taxes. And I'm like, fine. But every single time that payment comes out, I have reframed it as my business school payments. I love it. It's business school. It's not, Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. It's not, I suck. Because that salon is closed. You know, I closed Mm -hmm. that place two years ago. And for a while, I looked at it as a failure But that place is my business school. I would not be able to teach and impact as many people as I have without that five years of business school at Gina Bianca Hair. And that reframe has inspired my entire career. You know, I could sit there and say, I suck. I'm a fuck up. I'm the worst. I, nobody likes me. This, 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 this. And I did for a really long time. I suffered, but I was able to reframe it. And I think that that advice that you give and this whole episode is just going to inspire like tons of entrepreneurs. I think like, it's just so valuable, Jenny. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. I I hope it does. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's the, it's the truth. And I mean, here's a girl that was sleeping on the floor at high school, you know, like doing it, like, Air was evaluated as a multi-million dollar brand, you know, and I, I did it with determination and believing in myself and a lot of reframing, a lot of reframing, so much reframing. Well, good thing that label mistake happened because now, blah, blah. I mean, there's always, there's always a positive in everything. And I honestly feel like that is such key to your happiness too. Like I had codependency problems. Thank God that situation happened earlier. So I don't bring in those types of people for my business now, because now this is when it really matters. And this is when it counts, you know, like it's how you see kind of everything. I'm thankful for, uh, having to sleep in my living room in high school. I'm thankful for it. Because I will never, you know, like it, it has taught me so much to be humble and be grateful for the little things that you have, you know? So again, it's all how you, how you see. And it's not like, I just want to go out and say, it's not woo woo or toxic positivity. There's like science behind it. The more and more and more you reframe it, you change your behavioral patterns, the neural pathways begin to change and you live in a state of bliss and happiness. It is not woo-woo. It is science. It is therapy. Totally. Yeah. The people who think it's woo-woo are the people who are just so toxic and negative that they need a major life event or a major change to happen, or they can just kind of look a little bit differently when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It doesn't always have to be this whole extreme I, you say woo woo sometimes, but like what you're doing, I don't see as woo woo at all. I, I see it as like, I you don't know, either, but some yeah. people do, you know, like, yeah, but you're not do. for everybody. And you know what, what you, you don't go overboard with it. You do everything with taste and class and tact. Like, I think that what you're doing, Jenny, like I getting to know you over the past few months, cause we really never had that like uh, deep of a relationship or anything. Um, getting to know you over the past few months has just been a pleasure and everything that you're doing, your brand, yeah. I, I stick by it. I recommend it. I use it. I think it's really great. We're bringing it into the network. Um, it's really, really great what you're doing. And uh, I just really am so, so happy for you. Like friend yeah. to friend, woman to woman, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like I'm just really, really happy for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, uh, I'm happy too for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Good. 
awesome. I can say that with confidence and that's not being cocky. It's, it's being grateful, you know? So, yeah, I think everybody is happy for you, Jenny. And, uh, I think that watching your journey and watching you grow and watching all of your success is an inspiration to the industry. You are elevating the beauty industry. You're helping every artist know that there's always another level and we need people like you to keep following your dreams. So thank you for following your dreams because you paved the way for everybody. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, tell people where they can find you. Tell people, um, I know you do your clubhouse. I don't know if I got your schedule right, but tell people where to find you. And, uh, you know, guys, DM her and try her product. It's amazing. You're so sweet. Um, well, they can find me at the Confessions of a Hairstylist on Instagram and Facebook. I think that's what it, Hair by Jenny Streeby. Um, but I have a website, theconfessionsofahairstylist.com, and literally all my links are there. My education stuff on YouTube, Facebook, all of the things. But Air Professional, it's A-I-I-R-Professional.com. Um, and yeah, we do clubhouses. We are doing like a two week straight at 9 a.m., but the schedule is going to change a little bit to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 a.m. Um, and it's all about... I don't know. It's all sorts of things for self um, inner development, I guess you can say. So we have a lot of fantastic um, guests on constantly. So yeah, it's been great. I've been really enjoying them, and I'd love to be a guest someday on there with you. It's just yes, so... I would love that. Let's yeah. get that start, girl. Absolutely, it's just so amazing. And I just want to thank you again for making yeah. the time. Uh, you're so amazing. Sure. This is one of my favorite episodes I've I've shot and recorded, and I think that it adds so much value to the industry. So thank you so much, Jenny. Thank, thank you all you. for listening and we'll see you on the next one.